Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Hanslick, and I'm the chairman of Warrior Miller, a mid-sized law firm in Houston, Texas. I want to welcome you to Building Texas Business, a podcast about corporate innovation, entrepreneurship, and business leadership in the Lone Star State. The goal of this podcast is to learn from some of the best business leaders in Texas in hopes that their stories of growth, challenges, and success will inspire our listeners in their own journey to building a successful business. Today's guest is Johnny Carava. Johnny is literally a living legend when it comes to the restaurant scene in Houston. He opened the original Carabas in 1986, and then two years later, the second location on Voss. Since then, he has partnered with Outback Steakhouse to open over 230 Carabas Italian grills nationwide and has started two additional concepts, Mia's Table and Grace's. Welcome to the podcast, Johnny. Chris, it's always a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for the opportunity. Well, uh, it was a pleasure, and, and we were thrilled that you said yes to, to be here and be our, our first guest. Uh, wanna, I know you've got a lot of things to share, and I want to kind of get started with it, so I always like to start with passion and inspiration. So what inspired you to, to start restaurants uh, in Houston? Well, it's, uh, you know, I went to school to be an accountant. And uh, and I have to tell you a little story, but, you know, I'm graduating from St. Thomas High School here in Houston. And, and my uncle Ciro uh, called me one day and he goes, hey, man, I'm really proud of you, you know, getting ready to get out of high school. But, you know, what are you going to do? And this was my first really business lesson. And I said, well, Uncle Ciro, I said, I'm, I want to be an accountant. He goes, really? He goes, I can't figure you, you know, being a, you know, an accountant. I said, yeah. I said, I did really well in that class. I think I probably made a C minus, <laughs> you know. I said, but, uh, and I have a friend of mine, his dad worked for a big eight accounting firm back when there was a big eight. And I said, man, he made, you know, $225,000 last year. And my Uncle Ciro gave me a lesson. He goes, boy, you know, that's back when uncles talked to you like that. Yeah. He goes, boy, he goes, you don't ever do anything for the money. He goes, you do something you love and the money will follow. And so I went to school for six years to be an accountant. I'm proud to tell you, Chris, that I'm 18 hours short of my accounting degree. <laughs> I'm still upset with my parents for cutting me off after six years. But uh, so I, I landed in the restaurant business. It sounds like you were having more fun than, uh, at school than studying accounting. I was having a little fun, but I got really good at golf. There you go. <laughs> Skipping classes and going to play golf at Memorial Park. Well, I, I got to tell you, I agree with Uncle Ciro. I don't see you as an accountant. Uh, no, uh-uh. So... So Uncle Ciro calls and tells you to follow your passion and your heart. I guess yeah. that led you to the restaurants. Well, I was very fortunate um, because restaurants were very popular at the time. They were like, you know, the, the thing to kind of be in. And my Uncle Tony Mandola, so my mother's a Mandola. So the Mandola family, they were in the restaurant business and that, that generation, my uncles who are not much older than I am. But one of my uncles, Tony Mandola, he was dating and ended up marrying a young lady by the name of Phyllis Lorenzo. Her mother happened to be Nympha. And so we all know, you know, the, the history of Nympha's on navigation. 
And then from there, my Tony ended up opening up a restaurant with my Uncle Vincent at Nino's on West Dallas. Sure. Then the youngest brother, Damien, who's only six years older than me and the co-founder of Carabas, he started a restaurant when he was a senior in college in Huntsville, Texas. And so that's how I just happened to fall into it. But I always admired them and always, you know, marveled at the way they ran the, the, the restaurants. And so it was just a natural kind of fit. It sounds like uh, you hear that story in the lineage. You didn't have a choice but to be in the restaurant business. Uh, especially when you do not have an accounting degree. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And they, they were very, they were very good to me. They'd call me up. Hey, Johnny, we need a bartender. We need a waiter. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, about the restaurant business, Chris, I like to share is that, you know, my grandfather, Caraba, and grandmother, they started a little small grocery store on the east end side of Houston. My dad was a butcher, small neighborhood, mom and pop. My, da- my, my dad was a butcher. My grandmother was the cashier. Then my parents bought the grocery store. My dad remained the butcher and my mother became the cashier. So uh, being a hands-on, you know, family-owned neighborhood business, it, it was kind of instilled in me, you know. Yeah, DNA. sounds like it. Yeah. Sounds like it. So what do you think is key to building a business uh, like you've built at Carabas? Well, people generally think the restaurant business is really glamorous. You know, that all you have to do is really greet people, <laughs> try to know their name, make them happy. But I would have to say that the restaurant business is the ultimate team sport. Uh, I kind of look at it as a football team which you know a little bit about football. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts. You know, you, you have to order food. You have to order the right food. And then it has to be prepared. And then it has to be served. But then you have to greet people. But it's, 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 there's, there's a lot of moving parts. You know, there's, there's the business part of it, accounting, the front door, building, you know, the building. Uh, you know, so it's, it takes a lot of people on the right page, on the same page to become successful. And it, again, I, I go back to the analogy of football. You know, everybody has to be in sync. But even besides the football players, there's a big support mechanism that allow the football players to do their job. You know, you have coaches, you have different coaches, you have, you know, recruiting, all, all those things. I could talk about it until I'm blue in the face, yeah. but it's the ultimate team sport. I think you have to be a... a, a a team-oriented person. That's great. I love the analogy. Of course, I, I use sports analogies all the time, and I, I think you're right. Wait, I hadn't thought about it, but when you lay that out and you think about from the front of the, of the restaurant to the kitchen, everyone's got a role to play, and if they don't take ownership of that role and do it well, then the system can break down. Yeah, if you have a, a, a bad dish machine or you have a, a dishwasher with an attitude, you get dirty plates out, uh, you know, they're, they're important too. And I, and I, and I, pay attention to every moving part because they're so important to our success. You know, so a lot of people think that, you know, the the glamour goes to all the quarterbacks and running backs and receivers, right? Well, same thing in the restaurant business. Everybody thinks that, you know, the managers and the, and the servers are the, the, the glory players. Uh, we don't forget our, the, the people that really make it happen. So how do you, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, Johnny, I mean, how do you how do you make sure you're showing up for everyone in the organization so they feel valued? Well, I mean, I feel like you know um, I'm the straw that stirs the drink. You know, it's the way I come in and come out. You know, of the day-to-day business. If if I'm paying attention to the detail and and I'm coaching and and, and 
coaching and communicating all day long uh, through the system, then I think that we're going to be somewhat successful, you know, but it all starts, you know, with, I hate to say this, but it, it kind of starts with the, with the founder or the, or the head person, sure. lead person, you know, uh, I, I think the best teacher is really example. You know, if, if I come in with my head drooping and don't have really much, you know, morale, then I think my children, my employees, I think they're going to emulate the mood that I'm in. I so you. I think that I, I like, like to lead by, you know, a good example. Perfect. It's top down, right? I think so. So when you think about, you know, the years you've, you've been doing this, what are some of the setbacks or challenges that you've faced and you've had to overcome to get where you are today? Well, I mean, in the old days, that's a great question. In the old days, the, the setback was just the amount of hours, uh, you know, we start off with a 3,000 square foot restaurant, 92 chairs, seven bar stools. Uh, I was a, practically the only person with a key. So the big setback back then was working 115 hours a week, literally. I was the only one with the keys. I opened the door, closed the door. Wow. Um, but that's, that's what owners, you know, that's what owners do. Uh, then later on, it's just the amount of hours and just trying to put the team together. It's kind of like the Bad News Bears. If you remember that movie, <laughs> you know, you're, you're hurting people you really don't know. So the culture wasn't there. And, you know, and I always talk about culture, but uh, that was a setback. And then two of my setbacks that I remember vividly was getting in business with Outback Steakhouse. And they were a public company. And then from a public company, they went to private equity through Bank Capital, the company out of Boston. Sure. And so then all of a sudden, you're taking a, a, a family-owned neighborhood restaurant. We had two units when we got in business with them, and you're going through high growth. And then all of a sudden, they start looking at things a different way. I'm looking at things from you know quality, personal service. Well, not to say they didn't look at it that way, but they started looking at the bottom line a lot return on investment. Right. And that really kind of rubbed me wrong. So I had to adapt to that. And then I think my recent challenge uh, that it was when I opened up Grace's. Grace's on Kirby. Um, I thought I had a vision. I had a vision. Right. I thought it was the right vision. <laughs> you know, There's a difference. There's a difference. You know, everybody has a vision, but I thought I had the right vision. And when we opened up, it just wasn't accepted. So naturally, it was a blow to my ego. You know, we all have a little bit of an ego here or there. Sure. Uh, but I felt like I misled my team. And uh, we were losing, you know, a lot of money every month. Um, but the money didn't really enter the picture. Uh, really, I felt like I let my team down with my vision. Yeah. But then what we did was we retooled it, uh, you know, and we started thinking about what this is named after my grandmother, Grace Mandolish, best cook I've ever met. What was she known for? Well, she was known for real good comfort food. Not only, you know, was she from Sicilian, you know, uh, lineage, but she also was raised in Louisiana. And so that, that, that food is very comforting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's real food and, uh, we changed it. But the one thing, my lesson, Chris, to m my younger people is yes, I threw myself a pity party for a couple of days. But then what I did was, is I went to three of my very good friends, but my great customers. Individually, I went to them and I said, okay, do not worry about my feelings. <laughs> I don't have any feelings left. Right. What's wrong with this thing? And they told me 
the food is good, but there's really no rhyme or reason or theme to this restaurant. And I think the the lesson that I try to tell my younger people is you, you, it never hurts to listen. You always listen to people and, and, and don't be afraid of the truth. Some of us let our some of us let our ego get in the way. Um, I didn't have an ego left. You know, I needed to survive. And I'm kind of like knowing knowing you the way I know you. I, I don't think we like to lose very much. That's right. Right. Well, I mean, what you just said, though, is so true that um, one, having humility uh, to ask people their advice or their thoughts and to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that those are key to, you know, I don't care what business you're in, what industry you're in. If you're going to run and be a leader in a business, those things are so important. I think that uh, the president of my company started off as a server for me 25 years ago. His name is Yu Wen. Uh, he looked at me that day when I was kind of you know, down and out about graces, and he said, uh, hey, Johnny, losing's not an option. <laughs> and guess what? Truer words were never spoken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Losing is not an option. So, well, you know, what do you do? You get up and you you, you tighten up that chin strap. Yeah, you, you figure know? it out. Yeah. Well, now that you tell the story, I guess, about your grandmother's uh, heritage, the menu the menu there makes sense Yeah. now. Uh, uh-huh. So, I, you know, something I want to – I've always been curious about, you know, the recipes. I know a lot of it's family influence, but, I mean, are, are, are there still many, like, true family recipes that, that y'all use? I, I think the, 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 the basics, you know – I, my two, I was very blessed to have two really wonderful grandmothers. One was the best. They're both good with hospitality and warmth, you know. Um, my grandma Carabo was just a beautiful person, one of my favorite people, my favorite person of all time. My grandma Mandela was the best cook I've ever met. And you learn through osmosis by being around, smelling her food, letting her taste, let, you know, she would let us taste different things she was cooking. So you learn by just being around, you know, I always say, you know, a good football player has always tried to emulate another great football player. I know I go to football with you a lot, but we sit in the stands together a lot. And, yeah. yeah, you know, but um, none of the recipes, there, there are some recipes that are truly my grandmother's. The chicken soup at Carabas, right? Uh, the meatballs, the baked eggplant. Everything else, like chicken brine and those kind of things, you know, we concocted those. You know, I, I didn't know what goat cheese was growing up on the chicken brine. But, <laughs> so my grandmother's played a big influence in the flavors of our food. And I would say less than, you know, probably 5% of the uh, of the dishes are really real true grandmas. I got you. Okay, so I am from Brine, Texas, so I got to ask you, how did chicken brine, Texas, get on the menu? Well, really simple. When my family came over from Sicily, this is the Caraba side. Okay. They went from Sicily to Galveston, landed in Galveston. Everybody thinks all the Italians landed in, uh, in you know, uh, uh, Ellis Island. <laughs> but Sicily sent a lot of people to the south. Galveston, from Galveston, they got to Bryan, Texas within a couple days probably. Yeah. And they farmed in Bryan, Texas. So my grandfather... John Carava Sr., he was very proud of Brian. So, Chris, when I got in business, people say, man, are you the Carava boy from Brian? <laughs> and I was born here in Houston, but I said, man, everybody asked me that, and I wanted to kind of 
honor my grandfather who's so proud of Bryan, Texas. So I called it Chicken Bryan, Texas. Oh, that's great. That's the story. First time, I, the reason I remember that, first time I ever went to Carabas, I saw that on the menu. I go, I got to order this because that's where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you think about things you're doing today, uh, whether it be Carabas, Mia's, Grace's, just, just in general, what do you what would you describe as being innovative over the last several years that you put in place that's helped you uh, be successful in these concepts? Well, I think any business, you know, there, there's a certain amount of uh, evolution that you have to take. Uh, it's very easy to become a dinosaur. I've seen restaurants that never change. They don't remodel. They don't change the menu. They don't, you know, they, 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 they don't, don't innovate anymore. In the restaurant business, it's like any other business. It changes. I think we've done a really good job at evolving our business. And, and again, the golden age of full service, fine dining restaurants, and that, we're not fine dining, but that kind of restaurant, it's kind of hard to make it uh, because people are looking for convenience. So I had a friend of mine who was a founder of Outback Steakhouse named Chris Sullivan, one of my favorite mentors of all time. He always told me years ago, going back to 1995, 1996, he said, Johnny, he goes, I want you to head up to go business. And when people come order to go, he goes, it'd be really good if you deliver it to their car because they might have the kids in the car coming from soccer practice. They might have a dog in the car. They don't want to get out. Make it convenient for them. Well, evolution. He goes, and he also said back then, he goes, look at grocery stores. They're starting to have prepared foods in these grocery stores. He goes, people aren't going to be eating out like they used to because they don't have the time. He goes, but they're not going to cook. So that's part of our evolution, you know, and and, and feeding it. You know, like I said, you know, the the business lunch, entertainment dollars, they're not there anymore. Uh, The millennials are eating in but drinking out uh you know uh and then you have to look at you know what's been going on lately is people really aren't going to the offices as much so you don't have that lunchtime rush you don't have the entertainment dollars uh so yeah we you have to change and we have we have changed with the times gotcha well i was going to ask you about trends you're seeing i think you just mentioned some that people are maybe eating out less and doing takeout more and any other trends that you, you're seeing over the last? Year well, I, mean, I think so? I think I think delivery is going to be is really important. I think um, prepared meals that people can put in the refrigerator, you know, and, and stay ahead of the game. Uh, that that's 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 happening. Uh, other trends. Um, I mean, we have other issues right now, you know, coming off of COVID. You know, um, trends of you know just not being able to get labor or getting, you know, uh, the, the, the food chain is, is really challenging right now, but that's right. not really what you're asking me. I, I just think that you, you know, like I said, um, the entertainment dollars aren't there. People are, you know, want convenience. I know that, um, we have eight restaurants right now, you know, uh, three of them have delivery vehicles. The, the rest of the five will get them probably in the next three or four months. Okay. Uh, so just the convenience part of it. Gotcha. So, uh, now I got a question for mm-hmm. you. Specific to your two Carabas, uh, the original and the one on Voss, my observation is ob- restaurants come and they, they get popular, the crowds are there, and then over time, six months, eight months, a year, they, that popularity can kind of wane. Right. Your places, Kirby and Voss Carabas, have been a 
hotspot for business lunches, happy hours. Crowds are always there. What do you attribute? I mean, you're going on 30 years mm-hmm. of being a go-to place. What what have you done or what do you think has uh, contributed to that? Well, I'm, you, you've been knowing me a long time. And uh, I would like to think that I'm a humble person, you know, grounded. I, I, that's a word I'd use for you. Yeah, but... And I don't. So this is not coming across as being, you know, braggadocious or arrogant or anything. But the Carabas on Kirby is going to be 35 years old in a couple months. The one on uh, Voss is going to be 34 years old uh, next month. And we are at the top of our game. Uh, I think it's very important that your business stays relevant. You always have to be upgrading it. People don't like change, but people enjoy when they know that you're putting money into their business. So I completely rebuilt the, the Carabas on Kirby. I just spent a ton of money on a remodel at the place on Voss, the Carabas on Voss. Right. So I think people, you have to stay relevant. You have to stay fresh. You have to tweak things. But more importantly, I think what's kept us at the top of our game is we stayed hungry. Uh, we don't take things for granted. So important. But Chris, and you understand this uh, more than most, but you have to have great fundamentals. You have to have a great culture, fundamentals, culture, and you have to have really strong principles and beliefs. And even though the restaurant business has changed, right, like we talked about right. just previously, it's changed. But good old-fashioned courtesy personalized service never goes out of style. And and like I said just a minute ago, we, we stay very hungry. We don't take things for granted because it, uh, you know how it is. When you take your eye off the ball, uh, bad things will happen. So uh, I have a I have like a little bit of an attitude. I've talked about this in, in uh, every day we start off our, our day with a what we call a huddle up. Okay. We get our staff together and we talk about, you know, we try to educate them, motiv- you know, educate them, motivate them and all this stuff. But but I'll, I'll let I'll let them know is that I'm still wondering after 35 years, I'm still wondering if we're going to make it. The restaurant business is a fickle business. And, and again, you can lose it. But the ones that make it and I think we can name the people that make it here in Houston, in the restaurant business, um, uh, they have very strong fundamentals. They don't get away from their game plan. Well, there are not many that have been around as long as you. So you and I, I it shows in how you show up that that being hungry every day. And I'll tell you, my observation is it's because uh, people know that when they show up, if they see you or your mom on boss, they're going to be welcomed as if it was into your, you know, your family kitchen at home. Right. Right. You make people feel welcomed and wanted. Yeah. I think um, I still, my, my son, Johnny and my daughter Mia laugh at me, but I still have an immigrant mentality. You know, that's a very hungry mentality. And, uh, and and I still we pride ourselves on being family owned neighborhood. I think I learned that from the grocery store years ago. Uh, it's hard to beat a family owned neighborhood restaurant. And, and that's a part of their community. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you take care of your community, they take care of you back. And I think that we've instilled ourselves in our beautiful communities that we're in. That's great. So you've talked about it, uh, touched on it a couple times. You've mentioned how important culture is. 
How would you describe the culture uh, of your company? Well, I do, a, I do an orientation every three months for all my new employees through the company. And I think it's one of the most important things I add to my company. Um, but in this orientation, we have new employees, but I invite friends of mine that own companies that want to be a part of it, but I also invite people that have been with me for a long time. And I've been very fortunate that I have a lot of tenure in my company. I think that's what really makes us successful is I take care of my people and they take care of me. We're an old fashioned, loyal type, you know, owner, you know, company. Mm -hmm. But when we orientate them, I give them the history. And but the, what I start off with, I said, I ask them. First of all, I ask them to introduce themselves. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So they go around and I let them know that we all come from different walks of life. I don't just like raising a child. You don't want to break down their character, but we're going to do things a certain way around here. But then I say, what do y'all think is my biggest threat, our company's biggest threat? And they, you know, naturally they're young, new or whatever, and they guess at it. But really the biggest threat that I have, Chris, is the loss of culture. Culture is everything. And then when I think about culture at Carabas, um, I'd like to say, repeat myself, that, you know, we pride ourselves on being a family-owned neighborhood business. Okay. Uh, and I like to pride myself in saying that the restaurant business or any business, it's a personal business. So take it personal. Live by the golden rule. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Uh, give for the sake of giving and not for the sake of gaining. So I have about, you know, five of those little quirky little sayings, but... But that's 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 our culture. You know, uh, we, we I can say this. We're not a chain restaurant. Right. Right. Well, and we're not I and mean, we're not in business just for the money. <clears throat> Money's a byproduct of executing your fundamentals. So true. Sounds like that's maybe what led you. You, you mentioned Outback Experiments as kind of a failure that those the opposite of what you just described may have led you to. Have that as part of your answer. I think I think it put a chip on my shoulder. And even though I love the founders of Outback, um, they've been very uh, Outback's been very good for me. You know, it's allowed me to send my kids to nice schools and mm -hmm. have a roof over my head. So I don't have anything negative to say. But I just knew that uh, the Almighty Dollar wasn't going to be my God. Good for you. you. Got back to the fundamentals. I never got away from them. <laughs> there you go. So. How would you describe your leadership style or philosophy? Well, I, it's changed over the years. When I first opened up, uh, I was uh, I felt very kind of like well, threatened. You know, was I going to make it? Um, was it going to be successful? And I think I used the old coaching style. You know, I was a uh, I played football and baseball at St. Thomas High School. And I wasn't a great athlete, but I was good enough for my coaches to call me up to ask me to coach when I was in college. And I learned a lot from them. And, I, and that's how I run my company, like I said before, like a team. Okay. And back in the old days, it was, you know, kind of a Vince Lombardi, take it or leave it. This is my ship. You know what I mean? This is my team. And, and I was a little bit on the hard side. Uh, some people would call it passionate. I think I was being, a, you know, sometimes being a little bit overboard, being so hard. Uh, but through the years, I've 
I've been mentored, you know, by some smart people. And I've kind of softened up and I've started kind of coaching from a taking care of people, give them, giving them everything they need to be successful. I, I, this sounds a little quirky, Chris, but I kind of look at my employees as kind of like my children. You know, how would you want your child to be spoken to? Yeah. Uh, when you, when you have a child, you know, you, you shelter them, you nourish them. You teach them, you love them. Uh, you have to be hard at times, but I think that's what I've done over the years. And it's not to say I don't fall off the wagon and <laughs> and you'll go old school on them, right? Uh, you know, I'm a pretty adamant, passionate person, so I'll tell them what's on my mind. But I, I kind of look at it as me trying to help them along in life, and I want them to learn. I think that's the biggest thing. Is lately, for the last several years, I've I want them to leave my company being being uh, mentored and coached and and being being better at their next step of their life, like a, like raising a child again. Yeah, that nice. sounds a little sounds a little weak, but I think it's a great analogy, right? Yeah, you, business is your baby. Uh, you hear that in business a lot from entrepreneurs that create it, yeah. and, and those employees. It would make sense you'd look at them the same way. I think I think the other thing I'd like to add to that, Chris, is that before it was. Um, I felt alone. It was me, 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 me. Uh, now it's, you know, for the long, for the longest time is, is I let them know that they're a very important, integral part to our success. They're a part of the family and they're part and they're the reason why we're successful. So I build them up a little bit more nowadays. They feel they're part of the success. They feel, as you said before, they feel part of the team. Yeah, that's right. You've mentioned a couple of times. I'm going to ask you, uh, Mentors you've had any one or two mentors you would say you have know, really made an impactful difference or influence on your life either at early age or once you were a professional that you've taken what you've learned and or you can see where you're applying it today. Well, my my two my my grandparents were unbelievable. Uh, you know, just great family people, hard workers. My two grandmothers were the most giving, hospitable people. I saw my parents work really hard in a mom and pop grocery store. They were there like, you know, they couldn't leave. It was mom and pop. I don't right. think people understand that anymore. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have uncles. My uncle Damien, who was a co-founder of Carabas, uh, he had a lot of faith in me because he asked me, that, you know, wanted me to be the managing partner of, of Carabas. He, he was a visionary. He taught me a lot about food, but he also taught me a lot about attention to detail, you know, having your head on a swivel and looking around all the time and making sure the lighting and, you know, the, the, the music and all of that stuff and the restaurant felt right. But he was a great food guy. Hmm. And then I have to really I have to give a lot of credit to Chris Sullivan, the founder of Outback Steakhouse, because he got me to think at a different level. OK, uh, he's one of the, the, the sharpest restaurant minds that this country's ever seen. And I was fortunate enough to work with him. And he uh, he wasn't always kind of easy on me at times. He told me what he thought, but I'm coachable, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, apparently. But, but yeah. I have to give, you know, besides besides Damien in business, I have to give Chris Sullivan a, a lot of credit. Uh, he 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 brought my game to the next level. I think it's what you said about Chris then is so important. He was willing to tell you what he thought you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear necessarily. Yeah, he's uh, one of my dear friends, but uh, there was times where there was a lot of times, Chris, where he didn't candy coat it. 
But I got to think you you mentioned earlier you're encouraging to your employees. You build them up, but there's times you you know you go the other way. Sounds like you learned that from him that it's okay to do that. Right. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, Can you can you give us an example of a, what you would describe as a failure or two that that you've encountered on this 36 year journey or whatever it's been, and what you learned from it, how you overcame it? I, I think I, I would just probably have to repeat myself. You know, um, Grace's opening up Grace's Chris was my biggest failure. Uh, you know, I, I thought I knew what I was doing, and I just I just missed the mark. I was just fortunate enough to have a good team around me that wanted to hang in there and 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 change it. Um, I, I I really think that I, I've I've kind of had a I've had a blessed career. Uh, no major catastrophes that was close to having one. Um, and I, I really have to kind of think about that, but I think that okay. that that would be that would be my uh, my failure. Okay. Well, based on what you said earlier, I can see that. Um, so let me ask you this: you you've opened up. Uh, we talked about graces. You've opened up another concept, Mia's table. What was the inspiration for that? Well, um, it's named after my daughter, but that's not the point. The point is, is that I had I have accumulated some property on Kirby Drive. And the original Carabas, people don't know this, but it was a pornographic newsstand when I bought it. <laughs> and it was a three thousand. It was a, it was a restaurant to begin with. Then it turned into the Kirby newsstand. And we remodeled. You know, we did our own demolition. We remodeled it. We opened up the original restaurant. And then we kept on, you know, buying property a little bit at a time. But then we kept on remodeling that restaurant. And then one day. We used to have some beautiful oak trees on Kirby Drive, and they cut them down to widen the street, and they cut all these beautiful oak trees. And I was at Mr. Car Wash across the street, and I'm looking at my original Carabas, and it looked like a haunted house. It was so beat up. And I said, this ain't going this, this, this to work on Kirby Drive. But I wanted to develop the property. But a, a lot of people wanted to put you know buildings on it and give me the bottom floor. I'm not that kind of developer. Right. I said, I want to develop this into like, a, a, I, I use campus. I, I'm in the restaurant business. I want to continue to stay in the restaurant business. So I rebuilt the original Carabas. I built a garage. And I wanted to do a hamburger joint because everybody was doing hamburger joints. And I really couldn't find a hamburger that I was really you know that crazy about. So Mia's was supposed to be a hamburger joint. But then when we opened it up as a hamburger joint, it really didn't work that well. So then we started adding chicken fried chicken, chicken fried steak with jalapeno cream gravy. Uh, we wanted it to look like an old house. Uh, my offices are above it. We wanted it to look like a throwback, you know, like an old building that might have been a house and got turned into a grocery store or a cafe. Okay. But that was my inspiration. I just thought that uh, talking about trends, Chris, you know, and I said this earlier, is that, you know, people are not eating out like they used to. In general, they're not. Right. Right. Uh, fast casual was the way to go at the time, and it's, I think it still is fast casual, and that's what inspired me. And also, I wanted to—I have six of those, and I wanted to have like a little bit of a growth vehicle in case my deal with Outback ever turned sour or I lost it. I wanted to have that. I wanted to have that, and, gotcha. and, I, 
and 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 I needed some motivation. I needed some stimulation, you know. And uh, but basically, it started because I wanted to de- develop that property on Kirby, but I wanted to remain in the restaurant business because that's what I know. I don't know real estate and development, so that's right. that that's what got me. So when you started me as you, again by anybody's definition, already been a successful restauranteur. Did starting it uh, feel like you felt when you started from the very beginning, like the, the butterflies and nervousness, or, you know, I got this? And Well, I, I think I felt more butterflies because when I opened up the original Carabas, even though I had the eye of the tiger, you know, uh, failing wasn't an option. Um, I was young, right? And so when you're young, you have a lot more nerve you have a lot more guts then when you start doing things later on in life i was 27 when i opened up carabas right so but then later on in your life and you kind of taste a little success uh, you might not be as generally you might not be as hungry but i felt more nervous opening up the new restaurants than i did the old because i had something <laughs> what i had something to lose right <laughs> and a lot of it was you know a lot you know money to lose but i also had uh pride it was at stake you know i, I wanted to I wanted to prove to myself, this is, I'm going to back. Damien was the mastermind to Carabas. He was the visionary. But he ran Damien's downtown, and I ran Carabas. But he set me up. So I think that some of the pressure I had when I opened up my own restaurants on my own, uh, I was, uh, maybe there's a little doubt in my head. Maybe I, maybe, maybe I don't have what it takes. Wow. Does that make sense to you? I mean, it does when you say it, but knowing you and, and uh, the personality and confidence you exude, it, you know, it surprises me, but I can get where starting something new, there's always can be some sense of doubt. And doubt. Uncertainty. That, that, that's exactly doubt. And, and, and if I come across as being like, you know, confident, I'm, I'm, I'm not a confident person. You know, I just maybe I'm a. I'm glad you said that, but, but I don't feel like I'm that confident. You know, I'm always I'm always one. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm still wondering if it's going to make it. You know, I still doubt myself a lot. Well, I go there. I go to Carabas at least once a week for lunch. So I'm doing my part. <laughs> so does your mama. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Uh, so we've talked about a lot of things. What if you had to talk to a room of aspiring entrepreneurs or business owners what advice would you give them, whether that's, you know, just kind of verbal advice, if there is there a and or a book you've read or, if, you know, someone you heard speak that inspired you? Any any kind of tidbits or takeaways uh, for someone in the audience that might be out there thinking about starting a business or has just started it? I always. I, I've been telling my children this, you know, now they're 21 and 20, so they're not children, but I've told them this since they were young person, young, young people, I always say, you know, always try to be in business for yourself. Control your own destiny. Always live your dream. Do what you love. And again, it it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a lawyer, a doctor, you know, a CPA. Do what you want to do. But when you want to do something, have the courage to do it while you're young. Because when you're young, you can afford to make a mistake or two. The older you get, you can't. And uh, and I have a lot of people that I look up to. 
There's a guy named Danny Myers who owns restaurants in New York, and he started the Shake Shack, but he has a lot of other restaurants before he started Shake Shack. Uh, he has a book called Setting the Table that I've, I've, I've maybe have bought 500 of them, and I've handed them out to a lot of you know the people that run Carabas across the country. I do believe in that book. I believe in his mentality. Uh, he started his own restaurant when he was 27. But he started it in the Big Apple, which is a little bit different than starting something back in Houston, you know, 1986. Uh, but he 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 gets it. So he's he's the person in the restaurant industry. I look up to a lot of people. I look up to the Pappas family. You know, I love the Houston's organization. Uh, but Danny Meyer setting the table is a good one. And then uh, Admiral McRaven, he has a book that I've handed a lot of people, you know, Make Your Bed. Right. I, I love that. I love that book. Um but I get inspiration from a lot of people. That's great. Great, great pointers and books uh, that you suggested that um, really appreciate it. I want to tell you, thank you for sharing so much with us. I've got a few questions to take you on the lighter side to wrap this up, uh, maybe personalize you a little bit. But uh, what was your first job? Well, my first job was uh, well, I worked at the grocery store as a young kid, but I was very lazy, so I really wouldn't call that a job. Uh, and my mother and dad will tell you how lazy I was. I, I hated the grocery store business uh, because it was long hours, you know, that I ended up in the restaurant business. But my first job was when I went to I went to Sam Houston State in Huntsville for a couple of years. And uh, I went to work at my uncle Damien's restaurant. And like I said, a freshman in college and. Uh, he had me peel garlic and I was getting paid two dollars an hour. So that was uh, my first job. And. I'm still peeling garlic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is Texas-based podcast. So even though uh, you've got Italian restaurants, which is your favorite, Tex-Mex or barbecue, if you had to pick? I know you. this is rapid fire. You want me to answer directly? Uh, Tex-Mex, uh, but I've invested in a company called Truth Barbecue. So okay. I, I want to say barbecue right now. <laughs> no, but it's, it's Tex-Mex. Well, a lot of people are combining them now, right? You get like the brisket tacos, yeah, and things. yeah brisket burritos and stuff yeah. like that. So if, if you, but Tex-Mex, man, I love Tex-Mex. All right, and if you were going to avoid the answer, I was going to accuse you of being a lawyer. <laughs> uh, any recent book you you're reading? Uh, um, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, trying to get my head straight as far as, you know, I, I, I really kind of like to meditate. I don't meditate enough, but uh, he, he, this book is really good. It's, it's about uh, giving yourself time and, and learning how to say no every once in a while, you know, uh, but that, that's, the, that's, and my sister gave me the book and, uh, but it's a good book. That's great. This is my, my mindfulness. Okay. And then I mean, what do you like to do for fun? What are your hobbies? Well, I'm a pretty sim simple guy, but uh, my real hobby is golf. Okay. I'm not playing enough of it, but I love golf. Kind of, kind of like one of your partners. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, then, then we should go play golf soon. I'd love to. Uh, I love it. Well, Johnny, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you know, love the stories you shared. I think uh, people that are going to listen to this are going to take away a lot of gems uh, and insight from the things that you've been through and how successful you've been. Chris, I've... Thank you very much for everything you've done for me. My pleasure. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. 
And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.